Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in yesterday's podcast, we talked about an extraordinary man who accomplished an extraordinary feat. We talked about Noah and the fact that in the face of incredible opposition and really defying the odds, Noah saved his family. Today I want to talk to you about another Old Testament figure and the many lessons we can learn from him. In the course of human history, few men have been the equal of Solomon, the third king of Israel. Few have risen so high and excelled in so many areas. At the same time, few have fallen to such depths as this mighty king did. Someone wrote once that the shipwreck of Solomon was the most terrible tragedy in the world. I don't know that I would go quite that far, but it sure does rank right up there. Let's give some background information on this extraordinary man. As we turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, we read the following. And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her, And she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. So Solomon was the second child of David and Bathsheba. Altogether he was the tenth son born to David. His birth occurred in Jerusalem in somewhere around 1000 B.C. His very name Solomon meant peaceful while the name that was bestowed upon him by Nathan the prophet Jedidiah meant beloved of the Lord. Growing up, Solomon would have had all of the advantages that come from being the son of a king. But in a very special way, Solomon was blessed to have had as his father a man that is described in Acts 13 and verse 22, by God, as a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So he grew up in a royal household that was characterized by a father who loved God to a very profound degree. It was by God's decree that Solomon was chosen to be appointed king in the place of David, his father. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet were the ones who publicly anointed Solomon and brought him to sit upon the royal throne. I like a statement of David's that we have recorded for us in 2 Chronicles 28, verses 4 and 5. David said, Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be a king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah the house of my father, and among the sons of my father he liked me to make me king over all his Israel. And of all my sons... For the Lord has given me many sons. He has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. 
Solomon was some 20 years of age when he began to reign. What a man he was. Solomon was a Renaissance man before there was such a thing as a Renaissance, and his accomplishments are legendary. He excelled in so many areas, one of which was as a builder. I would have to say that his chief architectural achievement was the construction of the magnificent temple of God in Jerusalem. 3,300 supervisors and 150,000 laborers took seven years in the construction of the temple. 1 Kings 6 describes the majesty of Solomon's temple. There's an interesting statement made concerning this temple and its construction in 1 Kings 6 and verse 7 that really illustrates what an incredible building and architectural feat this temple was. That verse says, And the house, when it was in building, was built of stone made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. In addition to the temple, 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1 tells us that Solomon spent 13 years building his own house. And if you take the time to read the rest of the chapter, you will see that it was truly a king's palace. Solomon also built many storage cities. 2 Chronicles 8, 3-6 tells us of these. Now store cities were depots for provisions and arms. He built fortified cities in various strategic locations as he strengthened the kingdom and its position in the world. Economically, Solomon developed Israel as a commercial power. Solomon saw to it that Israel had a merchant fleet of ships that brought him treasures from afar. Israel's national treasury overflowed with gold that came in annually, and Solomon's personal wealth was immense. I would like to come to Second Chronicles 9, where we'll begin reading in verse 13 and read on down through verse 22, just so we can understand Solomon's economic impact at the height of his reign. The passage says, Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred and three score and six talents of gold, beside that which chapmen and merchants brought, and all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. 600 shekels of beaten gold went to one target. And 300 shields he made of beaten gold. 300 shekels of gold went to one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. And there were six steps to the throne with a footstool of gold, which was fastened to the throne and stays on each side of the sitting place, and two lions standing by the stays. And twelve lions stood there on the one side, and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. And all the drinking vessels of King Solomon were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the force of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was not as anything accounted of in the days of Solomon. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Huram. Every three years once came the ships of Tarsus bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom.
What can we say about the wisdom of Solomon? Well, let's go to 1 Kings 3. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream when he was a newly anointed king and still but a young man. In the dream, Solomon made this request of God. It is found in verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And of course, God's reply was, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked for the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. As we move on over to chapter 4 of 1 Kings, we see Solomon's expertise accomplished many fields. In verses 29 and 30 we read, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country, and all the wisdom of Egypt. Skip on down to verse 32, because it tells us, And he spake three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. And he spake of trees, from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Three of the books of the Bible were authored by Solomon. There is the book of Proverbs, which really is a guidebook for practical godliness. There is the book of Ecclesiastes, a book of moral philosophy that describes Solomon's search for meaning and happiness in life. And then, of course, there is a Song of Solomon, which is a book that celebrates the beauties and the joy of married love. And he probably authored two of the Psalms, at least, Psalm 72 and Psalm 127. As far as Solomon's religious life is concerned, in the beginning he was faithful. As a matter of fact, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3 tells us, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. As we've already seen in this chapter when discussing his wisdom, Solomon worshipped the Lord and really sought to please him. He truly was an extraordinary man, but his end was not the same as his beginning. We have talked about his accomplishments, but what about his failures? In Deuteronomy 17, when the Lord through Moses was telling the people what would come to pass when they were finally in the promised land, one of the things he said would happen was the anointing of a king over them. In verses 14 through 17, we find, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me, thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren thou shalt set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, 
to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Three things are mentioned here by God through Moses that the king of Israel was not to do. First, he was not to build a large military machine, which is the significance of the multiplying of horses. Yet a large military machine was exactly what Solomon built. Indeed, the number of his horses and chariots is mentioned several times. The second thing the king was not to do was to amass himself great wealth. As we've already seen, Solomon was the richest of all kings. The third thing involved the marrying of many wives and the probability that they would turn the heart of the king who did so away from God. Just exactly what God said not to do, well, that's pretty much exactly what Solomon ended up doing. Looking at 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1-10, through 10, we find the following. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning the which the Lord had said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect before the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Astaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burned incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. When you get right down to it, Solomon left the kingdom on the verge of bankruptcy, a bitter people, an incompetent error, and an example of idolatry at the highest level. The citizens of Solomon's kingdom told Rehoboam his son after his death, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. He died having led a life of indulgence, and we can only hope that he found his way back to God before death overtook him. I remember Jesus saying in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. Few have been given what Solomon received. He has been called the most disappointing man in the Old Testament. That may be so, but I know that by looking at his life, we can learn where happiness is not to be found. We won't find it in worldly wisdom, 
wealth, power, or pleasure. We can learn the importance of having a mate who shares our faith in God and who will not influence us in any way away from the Lord. And we can learn that the only true answer is to fear God and keep his commandments. Solomon, an extraordinary man and an example for all of us to learn from. Thanks for listening.